0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here at Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital business revolution by speaking with the business executives and thought leaders who are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Lou Senko, the CIO at Q2, a fast-growing digital banking technology company that's pushing the boundaries of what modern banking truly means. Lou, welcome to the Cloud Wars Live podcast, and thanks very much
1: for joining us. Well, thanks for the invite, Bob. I've been a fan of the show for some time now, and just I'm honored to be a guest knowing what your guest speakers have been in the past, I'm, I'm just honored to be associated with it.
0: Well, that, it's our pleasure, Lou, very, very much. Say, Lou, I think it's interesting, right, how these days, how companies are trying to position themselves in a very fast-changing world. One of the things that uh, I've heard you mention and the company mention about Q2's mission is to strengthen the communities in which the, its customer banks operate. T- tell us about you know what that means, because that's a fairly broad-reaching objective for you.
1: It is. And working for a mission-driven company really allows us to get that discretionary effort, that kind of passion around the work from our team members. We're all aligned. And in fact, almost 70% of the employees here at Q2 actually do their banking with one of our customers. So one of the one of the community credit unions or or local regional banks. So the mission really is, you know, we don't believe that there should be five banks at the end of the day uh, determining who gets a loan and who has access to money. And we really believe the best way to help our local communities prosper is to help that local financial community within that financial institution within that community whose mission is to reinvest the money back into the community. So we are partnered with those folks to, Have digital success right how they can go compete with the big three the big four players who have lots of resources lots of technology but as a Bank of America or Wells Fargo or chase puts a branch into the community that money that gets deposited in there that money gets deployed and used elsewhere not back in that local community so we're really focused on helping them play against the big boys And we're trying to level the the playing field in the digital
0: realm. Yeah, Lou, that sounds great. There are so many things we see and hear today about cloud technology. And one of its advantages can be, remember, Lou, there was that famous old cartoon in the New Yorker in the early days of the internet, and it showed a dog sitting at a desk, typing on a computer, and he looks at his friend, another dog, and he says, hey, the cool thing about the internet is nobody knows you're a dog. And it seems like with the cloud, Right, smaller companies you get immediate access to an incredible scale, incredible capability. So, the, their opportunity to move into some of these competitive situations, like you described, with some you know huge global corporation, it's really quite different. So, you're giving small and regional banks really, in some ways, the gift or the opportunity to compete at a scale and on in ways that they have never been able to before. Is that fair statement?
1: You spoke very well about it. it when you think about today, most of our customers find the financial institution they want to partner with through a digital channel. Almost 70% of logins now are from mobile devices. sit on the couch, I Google, looking for a bank, looking for a, a loan. I open my browser, I search the internet for it, and that's where I start doing my research. I don't walk into a branch anymore. And so how we, how we can help a smaller financial institution compete with the big uh, marketing and the big capabilities of a Bank of America, Wells Fargo chase uh, that that's really what we're here to do and not just compete, but lead. And how do you connect with your customers? You used to see them walk into the branch, right? And they walk in when they started their paper route and they wanted to open a, uh, open a bank account. And then they walk in and need a student loan and then they graduate from school and they'd walk in they started their first job so they needed a car loan and all sudden they'd walk in and there's somebody on their arm and you realize oh here comes a wedding here comes a house here comes some children here's some college funds and then there's a retirement and you you're with them through that journey of life and they can see it and they're interacting and the engagement's very hot today the digital channel makes that a lot of uh, makes that much more anonymous and so how how do we stay connected to them through a financial experience around this journey of where they are in their lives, and, and how do we offer our customers a platform of services that can connect to these people and, and uh, during these moments? And and it's using data, it's using watching what they're doing, it's being engaging with them. It's offering things either obviously to them or subtly to them, and just being a, a much more robust platform. You know, and the financial experience, we, and we brand it as a FinEx experience. It's more than just digital banking; it is a life journey through financial wellness.
0: That's a very nice way to put it, Luke. I, I really resonates, and I was I was laughing here. I, I hope it uh, I, I, you know it didn't come across on the audio, but I was laughing because you said you open up a bank account when you're a paper boy you have a paper out and that's exactly what i did about half a century ago i remember my dad took me down to this bank and he introduced me to a certain teller whom to whom he had introduced my older brothers you know at different points in their lives so i really right. really resonated when you said as you move into the digital channels or the digital experience here while it can do a lot of good things it can make that journey a lot more anonymous. So how do you help your banking customers avoid that anonymity? It's
1: a couple of ways, right? It, one of it is, I think our our expectations of digital is are shaped not by other banks, but by our experiences through using other digital platforms. And so, you know, and it's probably a well overused term, but you look at the Netflix, you look at the Amazon. You look at you look at things that are very frictionless—a way way you can get to what you want—and then there is the subtle opportunities to buy more. Or to did you notice this? We think you'd also like this. The suggestions that are coming up that aren't interfering, but they create some traction and you know amplify the experience. Those are set by other things that our our customers and our end users are doing in their lives. So to bring that same kind of viewpoint to digital banking and the financial experience is kind of what it's all about. So now it's not just you log in to do your banking, you're logging into a portal that is very engaging. It offers more than just what you were in to go do. You were in to go check your bank account to see if you could spend some money and you were going to log out. Hey, we can let that happen if that's what you want to do. But while you're here, why don't we take advantage of the eyeballs and put some other interesting things that are interesting to you and using the analytics. And obviously we have a spigot into all the spans. We can, we can tune the messaging to this specific person in this specific point in their journey. And so it resonates and and obviously has a much higher adoption or ingestion rate of this. And it's not ads, but it's more about opportunities and this opportunity resonates better because it's, personalized to this
0: experience. Lou, that's fascinating. And I I want to ask you here, uh, this popped into my head as you were describing that. I had a chance recently to speak with a senior executive at the biggest airline in Asia. And one of the things he was saying was when he started there a few years ago, everybody was saying, you know, we've got to, we win because we're the best at customer service. And so we want to figure out ways, how do we really swarm and swaddle our customers in 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 this world that's increasingly moving toward technology and digital how do we ensure they get the personal touch all the way through the whole process here and this guy said he thought that was pretty interesting but he said he said he was going to do some research on this so he did some of that and he found out especially with some of their best customers for this airline ultimately they want to have zero human interaction until they get onto the plane so the company was headed down this notion of saying we want to provide more face-to-face, more hands-on, more high-touch experience because they thought that's what the people wanted. But in this case, the customers were saying, no, until we get on the plane, we want to be seamless, purely electronic, digital, whatever you want to describe it. And I wondered, are, are you seeing any of those sort of unexpected results from the, the work you do and, uh, as you take your customers through these journeys?
1: You get it exactly right, I think. And to put it even uh, more broadly, some customers want zero friction and make all the decisions and click mouses, and they're very comfortable with the interfaces in front of them and very comfortable. Some customers aren't, and then there's a whole shade between them. And And so how do you create uh, an engagement pattern and an ex- customer experience that can deal with all of them? And I think when you look at a regional or local credit union, their customer base is very different than a more multinational bank and so what they have to cater to they have to tune we have to provide the platform that lets solve for both it's not one or the other it's it's one and the other as as our customers uh, you know and we're we're in a people choose Q2 for the innovation and when you think about the thought leadership that we go together with 400 financial institutions on our platform today We have all the way up to a $75 billion asset bank, all the way down to sub-billion dollars. And so we have a lot of exposure to different ways and different approaches and different needs. And so we can bring that experience both from a, Partnership, a strategic partnership, but also through the technology around as you start as a sub, you know, $500 million bank and you grow into a $2 billion bank. And then through acquisition, now you're a $10 billion bank, your needs have shifted as well. And you go from a local community type uh, uh, platform to now you have some businesses and you have more corporate and treasury functions that you want to add. You look at, you want to extend it to loans this is an evolution of your business that we want to make sure that our platform is able to evolve with you. And it's not just about when you're ready for it, then we're thinking of this opportunity that we've got to go uh, somehow uh, solution and harvest. It's that we have the solutions in place that then maybe create the opportunities for you to, to dabble into some stuff sooner than you would be Thinking about so, I I think this is all about. It's not one or the other. Like the airline example is a great example because obviously it's a you love your airline if you had a great airline experience, and obviously if it's difficult to book a ticket, then we never even get there. The experience is different, and and here it's it's similar in that if seventy percent or ninety percent of your interactions with your local financial institutions all through a digital channel, well that really matters, and we got to do a great job of that. And then how do we make sure that as those users need to evolve, the financial institutions in a, in a position to evolve with them?
0: The evolution that you talk about there is quite powerful. And again, I think back to your description of that life journey, right? From the paper out to, uh, you know, further on in life to, you know, Hey, maybe there's a wedding coming up, all of those things. So that's really, uh, you know, those are as, in some ways as intensely personal business relationship as somebody can have. And now, As you know, these banks who've lived that way for decades uh, attempt now to move into a digital world, some of the decisions as they go into this uncharted territory had to be kind of scary. Can you talk about some of those and how you try to work some of your customers through those?
1: Sure. Yeah, and and again, we we benefit from not only a group of really talented, smart individuals that work here at Q Two, and, and they have a lot of industry knowledge, and not just technical knowledge of you know offering solutions to the industry, but from the industry itself. So we we have that as a as a golden egg that we bring to the table, but also. 400 other financial institutions and so we learn as much from our customers as as we partner and and so we get to see things that work we get to see things that don't work we get to see things and how people are tweaking and we have you know again being not necessarily a commodity type platform we are a transformational type platform and and a premium type service we then enjoy a customer base that that is progressive and they think of technology as a differentiator and as a weapon in the marketplace, not not as a cost uh, of doing business. So when you have customers like that, they are always poking around trying things that then we can get the great stories and as we partner together through it, that then we can bring to another customer who's maybe a little more tentative about trying something or maybe doesn't have it all thought through of how they would take that next step. And then we have great use cases of people it's a community. So credit union in here in Austin, Texas, is not really doing battle with a bank in uh, a regional bank in, in New York State. And so to connect those people to talk through what works and what doesn't work as a as a collective is another powerful thing that we bring to this. We bring not only, you know, the typical company annual customer conferences and great speakers and a lot of networking, but we also have many, many, many smaller 25 customers come and connect and collaborate together through a particular topic where they do a lot of mind share and then that helps shape our solutions that help shape our go-to-market postures that help shape our messaging because it really resonates with you know 25 cso's or 25 vps of digital brand or 25 ceos and they help drive that connection so we can, we can bring this kind of brain trust together and bring new customers up along that curve as they learn from their peers as we do.
0: Lou, that's, again, fascinating stuff there. Um, Lou, you, you, you spoke early on about the war for talent in some ways and the need for your company and particularly your customers to continue as this evolution happens in banking to look for different sorts of people. There. What are the new types of skills and what, what are some of the new hunting grounds that you're looking at to try to find this, uh, these new age bankers?
1: Great question. I mean, the, the war for talent, I mean, it is a people business and, uh, and it, it's multi-layer here at Q2. And that not only are we looking for talented, passionate people that are mission aligned with us, but, you know, people work for people, and so our development of those people into leaders and into managers and into into people that can have an amplified impact, that really, really matters, and so we're really focused on development of the individual once they join Q2. Our culture is one of the things that separates us. Q2, the brand, you know, it's on the building, but a lot of people don't know who Q2 is. And I'm here in Austin, so I get the blessing of a, of a fairly tech-savvy community, but I also get you know, the blessing of Amazon, Google, Microsoft, you know, all the competitors are here for that same talent. And they carry a lot more name cachet than I, I do. But my biggest selling point here is that we've, we've been best placed to work, you know, eight years in a row here in Austin. We've been on that list. And most of our employees have a best friend at work, and they recommend their friends join Q2. And so it comes with that strong kind of recruiting from within. So with that said, we are constantly on this organizational development, and I'll just use my own hosting team as an example. When, when I first started here, we, we had, and that was about six years ago, we had the typical data center infrastructure teams, and uh, new technology was rolling in the door as fast as we could go. We had about uh, 240 servers when I first started six years ago. Today, we have over 10,000. We had about a million users wow. on the platform. Today we have 13 million users on the platform. So cr- tremendous growth, and not only growth, but improvements in availability, improvements in performance, improvements in quality, improvements in end user experience, all along that journey as we're growing and scaling. So, you know, the skills that we hired for back in those days were the typical data center, you know, iron type skills. But we've realized what we're really looking for is people with trajectory because I'm going to replace that technology and that's all going to be different within 12 to 24 months anyways so we need people that have a trajectory of learning and a trajectory of kind of being uh, engaged and passionate about what they're trying to do with this technology and that is what transcends the technology evolution versus you know you have a particular skill set on a particular a uh, piece of gear, and that, now that's been replaced by software. So now, what do you do? And I, as we're hiring, and of course we're we're adding, we're hiring like 250 people a year. So uh, I was employed 286 back six years ago. Now we're up at 1,200 people. So as we're hire like that, I don't always know what the job will look like in two years. I know it'll be different. So I kind of know what the job looks like today, but really, what I'm hiring for is someone that will. Evolve and take those opportunities as their roles change, and make the most of them, and amplify their impact over the years. And so, I'm not replacing them in two years. In fact, they've done nothing but learn and grow, and, and done better in two years. The hosting team now, if you think about, we have moved to a microservices architecture. We moved from kind of .NET on Windows to now we're Node and Ember running in Nginx in a CentOS con- Docker container and a fully orchestrated deployment. And so that skill set was quite a change for everything we do from from backups to patching to monitoring to deployments to you know the, the gambit. But as our development team evolved and and then as they realized that infrastructure became software and moved They moved into having to worry about resiliency and capacity planning and health checks and monitoring. And and the the things I used to add to the software in production now is part of the software they're working on. Uh, They adopted the DevOps culture. And so they, it took a couple of years to really get that rolling, but now goodness comes out of DevOps. And so now we don't, Agile gets code to customer very quickly, but DevOps adds the quality and, and the performance and all that stuff to that journey. And so I had to get good at orchestration. And so you forget that Cisco, VMware, EMC, all have hundreds, you know, combined hundreds of years of experience. And so our uptime shows this hundreds of years of experience. Now, if we're going to replace that with software, I don't get two years off to kind of drop down in uptime and figure it out and come back up. Right. I have to continue that journey, right? And so, so we had to get really good at orchestration. We had to get really good at, at moving these containers into production. And then once they're in production, well, how do you deal with it? And so we developed a site resiliency team, an SRE team, which which is a, a trendy thing that Google started here a couple of years ago. But really now I've got people that know how the software is used. And now that we're microservices, I can't just say, hey, the app's bad. I, I, I have to go down into, instrument it down to the transaction level and say, hey, we got a problem with this one transaction seems to look slow. Here's all the data I can collect about it, and I can give very meaningful feedback back into development to go tack this one needle in a stack of needles problem, and then it feeds back through. So we've really evolved from just kind of uh, stacking compute and and storage into this orchestration, quality of of the service delivery. And now now focusing more on transparency and communicating with the customer. So now we we are focused on, you know, getting really good at communicating with the customer.
0: Hey, Lou, I I have to say this this has been a great conversation and thank you so much for your time and your insights.
1: Well, I appreciate the time, Bob. Uh, Always a pleasure.
0: I'd also like to say many thanks to all of you listeners for joining us here on Cloud Wars Live, where we explore the unfolding adventures of digital transformation and cloud computing and how those are profoundly changing, how we live, work, play, learn and experience the world. I hope you'll join us for other episodes of Cloud Wars Live and please share your feedback with me at at gmail.com. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.